What up, dude? Yo, you know what it is. I'm you got chilling. something on your face there. Yeah? It's like this, this yeah, metal-looking thing. How much did it cost? Two bucks. Does it make it hard to eat? I went on one of them surgery trips to another country. I actually Medical got this, tourism. I got this installed hmm. in India. Oh, that's cool. It was lovely. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Yeah, great time. I seem to have one as well. <laughs> yeah. Everyone listening to the audio feed is going to have no idea, or maybe some idea of what we're talking about. Things probably sound different to you guys right now. Maybe. Uh, for those of you watching, we got some legitimate podcast mics that are actually sitting here in front of us at the table. So, all part of the upgrade game. Yes. And I'm looking forward to doing some heavy upgrading I like later upgrades, on this afternoon. Especially with 2Ds. Some upgrade. upgrade. Yeah, but he's going to get his money. So, Anyway, guys, welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast. I do believe you said earlier today that we have to go know things and stuff. Yep. So, do you happen to know things and stuff? I like to think so. Nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna. I assume so. We're gonna roll with it. We're gonna see what happens. We are indeed gonna roll with it. That's cool. All right. So today, we are talking about extracurriculars. We get a lot of questions from students about what kind of extracurriculars should I take? How many should I take? How should I balance them between my classes and everything else? So, I just want to do an episode all about it. Yep. How do you fit extracurriculars into your life? In the most effective way possible. Um, and for those of you who click their little thumbnail, you will become a turtle. Yes. That is both cool and gets a job. That's yep. basically what extracurriculars that's, that's are all about. That's dream. It's about becoming a turtle. <laughs> um, so I want to start out with a story slash breakdown of an article here. All right. Because I want to get into the extracurricular. That's such a hard word to say. Yeah, I know. Extra. It's got all the consonants, you know? And all them vowels, too. What's it doing with those? It has most of the vowels in it, I think. It doesn't have O in it. It has E and U and I and A. Whoa. It's a lot of them. That's crazy. Which words have all the vowels? Uh, murciélago in, in Spanish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't know in English off the top of my head. Why do you know just a random word in Spanish at the top of your head that has all the vowels in it? Because uh, is it like a pronunciation practice word? Oh no! When I was uh, when I was teaching English back in Iowa, one of my Venezuelan students was like, I, I was talking about how I have favorite words in mm-hmm. different languages because they sound really like that language. Oh yeah! And I I really like the word murciélago, and she was like, has all the vowels actually. It's a pretty cool oh. word, and I was like, what? It is pretty cool. Blew my mind. But I digress. Do you have a favorite English word? Um, you know. I have no idea. I didn't. I don't remember if I do. It's always hard to come up with a favorite when there's so many words. Yeah, I know but a lot of words. I like like red, <laughs> like red, and like blue. You know, like some good words. The quick brown fox. Yeah, all those ones. Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite word, but the one that's coming to mind right now is scintillating. That's cool. I like that word. That's a word. It's a very cool word. And there's also a really cool hmm. video on Vimeo somebody made a few years ago called scintillation. And it's like one of the coolest After Effects things that I've ever seen. You know, I'm gonna they think about like, this. I'm gonna figure out my favorite word. They I'm do gonna, like these cool pan shots around like roses with like the flower petals and everything. But then like the flower petals have like explosions going on inside them. Okay, it's cool. We'll put okay. it in the show notes. All right, it's, that sounds it's cool. something that is worth watching. So when it comes to extracurriculars, the first thing I want to talk about is something that the author Cal Newport calls the superstar effect, because I think. 
when you get a student who is ambitious enough to watch a podcast like this, their their mental attitude towards extracurriculars is probably going to be more on the side of, I want to do them all rather than I don't want to do any. So this is where I want to start because I think this is important. So we are going to start with um, some stats about Stanford University. Basically, Stanford University, back in 2010 when this article was written on uh, Tim Ferriss's blog, had a 7% acceptance rate. So very, very competitive, very Fair. selective. Fair. And most of the people who get accepted to Stanford are super high GPA, like 3.75 or higher. A lot of them are valedictorians. Um, they've also mentioned that they have like a very – they put a very high emphasis on rigor in the secondary instruction, which basically means – we like people who take lots of AP courses, lots of honors courses, okay. all that stuff. Okay. And yet, this kid, what's his name? Michael Silverton, I think it is. He got accepted to Stanford even though his GPA is in the bottom uh, bottom 10% of accepted applicants. And he had done almost no extracurriculars and only took one AP course during his entire high school career. All right. What's the secret sauce? So, the secret sauce is what we call this superstar effect. But before we talk about Michael's contribution to it or his example of it i want to talk about opera singers because it's a very good example of um of this superstar effect in action and it talks about this in the article which we'll link to in the show notes it's a good read so there is a opera singer named juan diego flores and i am bad at pronunciation so i'm just gonna i'm gonna try and you're just gonna sit there and cringe that's fair um and then there's another one named luciano pavarotti i don't know these are in Italian, I'm guessing. That sounds right. Or, yeah, I actually, don't know. Pavarotti sounds like an Italian name. I don't know Italian. I can only guess Juan Italian. Diego, Flores sounds more Spanish. Okay, so Luciano Pavarotti is dead now, but he was a very famous opera singer back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even early 2000s, I think. And then Juan Diego Flores is a much younger guy. He's active now. So there is an opera called... Can you read that for me? I can't even... I don't even want to try Oh, the French one? Yeah, that right there, yeah. La fille du régiment. Yeah, that. I, I think, you know. La fille du régiment. Close enough. Yeah, probably. I'm a little rusty, maybe. I don't know. It has a section where the tenor has to hit nine high C notes in a row, which is apparently very, very difficult to do. I probably can't. They call can. it like, I'll probably do that. Yeah. I'll learn it in the afternoon. I'll do it in the shower. Yeah, All right, you know? fair. So high, super high challenge. Yeah. I sing this in the shower every single morning, but my talent has yet to be discovered yeah. by the people in the opera world. I don't yeah. think they're ready for what I can bring to the table. I'm absolutely sure that that is the case. That is probably the case. But these guys have tried it. So Flores, he was able to hit all nine notes in this really hard early section, which has been called like the Mount Everest of opera challenges, essentially. Okay. That's a pretty big deal. Then. And, uh, you know... It's super hard. He got a standing ovation at the Met, and actually they brought him out for an encore, which is, like, against the rules pretty much. Like, that's how much they loved it. So, great opera singer. Able to do this incredibly challenging thing. Um, But he doesn't make, like, a ton of money. The article said he might get, like, you know, five figures per performance, which is awesome. But, like, you know, a a speaker can go speak at a company for $10,000 without being super famous. So, it's not crazy money. It's right. not baller money. Now, Pavarotti was also able to hit these nine notes back in 1972, but all the reviewers basically said that like, he had something extra in his voice, something that basically made him like one of the all-time greats. And at that concert, the crowd had him come back out 17 times. Like, that's how long 
And I'm picturing like you and me in the audience. That's I would have so like wanted to probably leave at that point. <laughs> how his lungs even surviving 17 times. Well, that's I guess that's the power of being a trained opera that's, singer that's and skill. being the best one. So when he died in 20, uh, 2007, his estate was valued at between 275 and 475 million dollars. All right, fair. So the the gist here is that there's this huge difference between the people who are the best and the people who are very good but not the best. Yeah. And it turns out that basically this is the superstar effects definition. The rewards go disproportionately to the people who are the best even though they might not be all that better than the people who are second best or third best. Just because it sound, it seems fancier to hire the best. Right. Or like, you know, picture somebody who's like, they want to buy an opera CD. They've got 10 bucks so they can pick between Flores and Pavarotti. They're yeah. going to pick the best one. They're not going to be like, oh, well, this guy's, you know. More like, than, more than like, worth the $10. It's not like but, all the opera singers or all the opera listeners in the world are going to be like, well, this guy's the second best. So I bet 40% of us should go buy that CD yeah. and 60% will buy Pavarotti's. Yeah, no, everyone's going to buy Pavarotti's. And if they have a little bit of extra cash left over, sure. They'll yeah. buy the second best one. But this is the thing. Like the rewards go disproportionately to the people who are the best. So here's how this gets into that Michael Silverman kid. We talked about how he's not the best GPA, not even close. Yeah. Almost no extracurriculars. Through all the traditional stuff, it would look bad on paper yeah. at first. So how, do, how does he figure into the superstar effect equation here? Well, it turns out that... Michael Silverman, while he didn't do any sports, didn't do any extracurriculars, he did get involved in like sustainability projects on his own. And I think one thing he did is like he he found a retired engineer in his town and they converted this old bus to run off biodiesel. And then he applied for a grant with that experience um, to like a local organization and they gave him some money to put like solar panels on one of the buildings of his school. So this is what he talked about in his Stanford application. And even though he didn't hit all of those like check boxes that you would think an Ivy League school or Stanford would be looking for, he was the best at something nobody else really had done. Yeah. So Cal Newport calls this a superstar colliery. Uh, being the best in a field makes you disproportionately impressive to the outside world. This and this effect holds even if the field is not crowded, competitive, or well known. So right. the idea here is find something that is unique or find a unique spin on something you like to do, use that to position yourself as the best and you reap the benefits of the superstar effect. Yeah. And, and often finding a new angle may just be combining two or three things and then being the best combination of two or three things maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I mean, right. I've often thought about this with my YouTube channel. Like I think the reason that my YouTube channel did well is because we took study tips and there were already study tips on YouTube but we applied like very good production values to them. And we applied like video game references and just stuff that I like. Yeah. And nobody else just was like doing a lot that. of that nonsense that, that we talk about. And then, yeah. So maybe College Info Geek isn't the best source of study tips in the world, bar none, but it's the best source of study tips from somebody who understands video game references and who can write an article or make a video that somebody who's into that kind of stuff will like. Yeah. So we're the best at that thing. All right. And hence, when people think All of right. that, they think of us. Yeah, so you you combine the two things, you've created your little niche, mm-hmm. and you try to be the top of that niche. Exactly. I always think of uh, Steve Cam from Nerd Fitness, very similar oh, yeah. situation. There are a zillion fitness sites out there, and one would be insane to suggest that Nerd Fitness is the top fitness site. You know, you've got bodybuilding.com, men's fitness, whatever. But 
the top fitness site that does like the Batman workout or yeah, the Luke Skywalker workout or like how to hike like Luke Skywalker or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. There's nobody doing anything better than uh, than Steve is. Yeah. And he has like a 10-person company now and makes a lot of money because he's found that niche. So the reason I want to talk about this in the context of extracurriculars is because I know that as a freshman, I had this thing in my head that said sign up for literally everything and basically just put all of the things on my resume. When I was in high school, I had that feeling like I had to check off as many boxes as possible and just basically like machine gun qualifications and experience to get recognition or to get accepted for stuff. Okay. And I have learned that that is not what works. <laughs> that is a misguided yeah. ideal. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll have like you you will have dipped your toe into like 30 different topics, but you're not really good or specifically knowledgeable about any of the 30 topics, so Exactly. Why would you not why would you want that? What what's the use mm-hmm. really? Right. So, my general philosophy with extracurriculars is something we're going to talk about next week. Um, yeah. The book, then the book review that we're going to talk about next week. Yeah. Uh, essentially, the idea here is less but better. So do fewer things, but do them better than anybody anybody else does. Yeah. Or better than you would have done them if you were stretched thin at least. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the the initial thing. Um, from there, I'm curious. I want to talk about the actual extracurriculars that you and I did in college, just to all right sort of stoke the flames of conversation. All right. Now, are you considering? I'm considering extracurriculars to be like clubs, like primarily, but also like the occasional side project I consider to be a little extracurricular. Okay. Yeah. And I don't think I wrote degree, down my side projects, but to a degree, certain types of little jobs I also consider to be extracurriculars, mm-hmm. depending. Like if you write for your school newspaper or something, that's kind yes. of a job and an extracurricular at the same time. I would time, call it that. Yeah. You know? Okay. But so what I've done. And some of this is from community college even. I had – I helped found and run an artistic collective uh, when I was in community college. We had maybe 10-plus musicians, some writers, some designers and artists. We managed a couple – we created a couple of shows, a couple of little concert things. Was it basically and like a record label almost? Like that. Okay. But more hipster, you know? But more hipster. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I remember the website for it. Yeah, it was and, pretty hipster. And so like we, we had we had to build a website. We had to research marketing, management. We had to figure out accounting stuff. And there was also, even, even randomly enough, we screen printed shirts once. And even that weird experience paid off later for me because I helped my girlfriend screen print oh, yeah. posters. That's true. For a show she was in. But so I had the, the weird artistic collective. I was part of the cyber defense competition, a like you have computers and make them unhackable and then a bunch of college people try to hack them. I can only think of one thing when you I, I went to that, that I went to that twice. <laughs> I can only think about the one story you told me about yeah. the cyber defense competition every yeah. time you mention it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. For those um, of you who don't know, one of his teammates Pasted the what was it yeah. like the, the the password to everything. There basically. was a chat. We were supposed to set up everything remotely, <laughs> like and there the was there chat. was one chat to talk to everyone for like just hey what's going on or networking or something, and then one chat for the team. And they pasted <laughs> the password to our servers in the in the main one, and then and then after that, we're something something to the effect of just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> and like I had to bolt and change the password. <laughs> it was good times. But the just kidding part is what kills me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's my favorite. Like, I just love how he thought that might work. 
<laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it is it is the best. But yeah, I also um, I did music. I made my I recorded some music. I wrote music. Made a couple of albums. Mm-hmm. And I did Polyglot. I didn't actually. And Pally lots of language learning blog that I used to run and, and write. But I didn't actually up? join a lot of clubs. It's still up. I okay. just have a banner at the top that's like I, I stopped. But the articles are like still there. For yeah, they're there. If they want to. They're there. I don't know that they're my best content anymore, but they're there. They were useful to you as a language learner. They were. Who was a little bit earlier on in your journey. Yes. So they, they I would contend were. that they are still useful but as well. As far people. as literal clubs go, like I joined a few and ended up deciding that they weren't worth the time compared to my side projects. So you never really stuck with a full. I was in an archery club? club, went twice, and then didn't. Okay. Uh, we almost did a blogging club. And, yep, we almost um, did that. I went to a French club a few times, but really mm. only a few times. Every time I would join a club, I would end up being like, "This side project is worth more of my time than these clubs." Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. I did a lot of really businessy things. Um, Sounds the, like you. The first thing on my list, I have Guitar Club, which isn't businessy, but that's like one of the only fun clubs I ever did. Um, but that was cool because I actually did an open mic night, and like I went up on stage and played guitar. Yeah, that's solo. cool. So that was like my first that's ever cool. experience performing music live, and it was it was helpful to like my I don't know my nerves I suppose. Yeah. But other than that, I did Business Council, which was basically like the College of Business's group of students who interface between the professors and the student body and put on like lots of volunteer projects and events and stuff like that. So very businessy. Um, and then I was, I was on the academic standards committee. So as a student, I was on the committee that like evaluated the letters that students who had like failed out had sent in to like ask to be let back into the university. Oh yeah, that was fun. And then I was on the computer advisory committee, which is basically like a committee that decided whether or not we should allocate funds to like classes that wanted to buy monitors and computers and stuff. Wow, that is all very businessy. Yeah. And Ooh. I will say like both examples uh like both of these last two examples, the academic standards committee and the computer advisory one were very much examples of me just saying yes to something that I thought would look good in a resume. Yeah. Cuz both of them, I'm going to tell you right up front, yeah. They were real boring. Well, they don't sound very fun. Nope. I mean, I, I kind of built relationships with the professors doing it, so it's not like it useful. was useless. It, it could be useful. But one of the things that, like, in the book we're reading uh, for next week. Actually, yeah. no, we can assign it as homework if people really want to. Next week we're discussing a book called Essentialism by one of my Greg books. McCowan. I read it in 2015. I'm rereading it now. Yeah. I have read about a hundred pages of it today, I think. So cool. it's been a good reading day. I'm getting cool. a lot out of it, but we're going to talk about it next week. Uh, one of the things that's really sticking with me from the book is like, yes, everything can be useful, but you have to ask yourself, like, what's the most useful? Like, are you going for a million things that are that are merely good or a few things that are great? Yeah. And yes shouldn't be your default answer exactly. to everything that you're offered. Yeah. And uh, computer advisory committee. Not great. I don't know. That's my dream. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we uh, approved funds so a English teacher could buy a monitor for a class. That was. I mean, that, I guess that's that's cool. I think that's back cool. on that every day. Probably, I'm just like, man, oh, I really uh, did something there. I also remembered we did go to Magic the Gathering Club. <laughs> yes, we did. Times. Okay, I forgot about that. I did write down on here about that, and I forgot to put it as like an extracurricular. Yeah, as I part forgot of, that I went to it because I yeah. wanted to talk about how like our friend actually started it. Yeah. But yes, we did Magic the Gathering Club, and that was fun. Um, and we need to play more Magic. 
That's probably we haven't true. played since we moved. It has and been that's a while. Sad. Yeah, it's been like four months. I did a. Uh, let's see what else I did. I did sound team at my church, which was basically a job. I spent ten hours okay. a week running the soundboard, which was actually pretty cool because I learned how to use a mixer, and I learned how yeah, XLR chords worked and like how patch panels worked and everything. So that was fun, but it was again kind of a job. And then in high school, I was in Business Professionals of America, which was this club where you basically like enter into competitions that you prep for all year. And then you go to a conference at a hotel for like the whole state, like every school's chapter comes to it. You compete. So I did like HTML coding competition. There was a web design competition where we spent the whole year building a website and then we competed against other teams. Oh, Um, and then I did like a business plan competition where I had to literally write like a full business plan and present it to a committee, which was pretty cool. Fair. So that was how radiant web design started. Was like oh, yeah. business that plan competition, and then we actually turned it into a business, which was pretty fun. And I really liked that club. Um, the second year I was in it, I got elected as the state treasurer, so I was also handling money for the whole club, like for the whole state's club, and got to go to Reno, Nevada for like the national conference. That's pretty fancy. So loved, yeah, loved that club. But I will say, looking at this list here, I didn't do a whole lot of fun clubs. And when I think back to college, what I regret not doing are like the Outdoor Adventures Club that did like weekend trips to, you know, hiking trips or rock climbing trips. Um, I regret not doing Downhill Dirt Boarding Club, which is like off-road skateboarding with tires on the boards. That's cool. And I regret not doing Skydiving Club. Because every year we would go to Club Fest, which is like this really big, uh, what do you call it, fest full of clubs. Yeah. (laughs) All the clubs in the university would... They'd get like a couple of representatives. They'd get a booth in this huge room on campus and all the new freshmen would go to it and just like get to see what all the clubs were about. Yeah. And they think we had like 800 on campus. Yeah, it was like 800 clubs or something. There was a lot to choose from. Yeah, there was a lot. And there was a lot of really fun sounding ones like skydiving club. And I was always like, well, I probably don't have time to go on a skydiving trip. So I was always like avoiding the high density fun because I didn't feel like I'd have time. But then like, of course, I played video games with my friends and spent a bunch of time doing all kinds of other things. So yeah, when I think of like regrets from college, it was not doing those things. Yeah. And that seems to be most of like the common regrets that most people have are not yeah. doing things. I didn't stand on a board and go down a mountain with dirt board tires yeah. at 30 miles an hour. Why didn't I do that? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't so, to juggle while riding a unicycle. Oh, and you know what? I never did intramural sports ever. I, didn't I always thought about that. it, but I never did it. So I have like tried to get back some of that stuff after college. Yeah. It's part of the reason I joined figure skating and other things like that. It's like I missed out on these things in college because I was working all the time and I kind of regret it. Yeah. Working all the time time, isn't isn't always necessary. Yeah. I mean, now I I live in Denver. So there's like meetups for literally all those things. Yeah. So like you can still, (laughs) you can still get them now. So it's not like I totally regret it because it's like I can go get that back. I'm going to stand this iPad up. Um, but yeah, so I just, I want to encourage people to do things that are fun as well as the things that are deemed useful for your resume, whatever they may be. Yeah. And I know we just, we just literally just talked about how yes shouldn't be your default answer, but it's yes, long-term shouldn't be the default answer. Mm. It would be totally reasonable to at at first join like 10 clubs, try them out. Maybe you don't even have to officially join just to Mm -hmm. show up at one of the meetings. Try out a whole bunch of stuff. 
and then decide on the few things that you want to actually commit time to if, yeah. if it if it matters to you that you make a lot of progress or get a lot of experience in something. But, I did do that. I did try a few clubs and just dropped them right away. Yeah. Like well, I tried like a the club that builds the solar race car. Oh, that's cool. But I didn't do it. And I kind of like part of me almost regrets not doing that. I didn't do that because I was the one non-engineer in my engineering hall. So I kind of like felt, oh, I'm not good enough at math and science and engineering to mm. contribute to this. Well, that's maybe actually, I wasn't. But we were talking about maybe even in the last episode or in, in one of your videos or something about the we more circular logic because people assume they need to be good at something before they can do it yeah. before they can like like it and stuff like. Yeah, I'm not good at language, so I don't like it. Or I'm not good at math, so I don't like it. But often doing the thing teaches you how to do it, and you like it because you're good at it now, and people like to yeah, be exactly. good at things. Because when you're competent, then you enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. So you want to try out a bunch of clubs, even if you don't think that they're necessarily for you or that you'd be good at them, because maybe you don't have any idea whether you like that mm-hmm. until you've touched it in some way. I think that's actually a clear example of that like can-do, want-to-do, do linear model that I was kind of stuck in. Yeah. Like that was a very good example of it because I was like, I can't build a solar race car. I'm not an engineering major. Yeah. Even though like it was freshman year and the people who were engineers barely knew more than I did. Yeah, they probably hadn't taken any classes that were really that different from you yet. (laughs) We basically like we're all fresh out of high school. What do they know that I don't know? Not much. Yeah. Like the one week's worth of Java they've taken so far. So, yeah, I could have done that, but eh. You win some, you lose some. Fair. Well, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't change the past. That's fine. Yeah. But so I do recommend going and exploring. Um, If you have a club fest at your university, if there's like some sort of event where you can go get information about the clubs, like definitely go to that. I think most universities have them like the beginning of semesters, uh, especially fall semester. Yeah. But other than that, like our university website had a huge listing of clubs that you could just look at. And I just like browse them sometimes. Yeah, I did too. Mm Mm-hmm. So explore a lot, but then focus in on one or two that seem to be really either interesting or that seem to be really promising in some way. And also, I don't like I don't want to discount the side projects. Oh, no. Because for you, the side projects were more useful. I think they were higher value at the time I was doing them. And, I mean, honestly, College Info Geek was a side project yeah. in college. That's, that's and I mean, what it was. It's outside of your curriculum, so I consider it extracurricular. It's, it's yep. something you're doing. Yep. The whole reason this site started is because I was doing a summer job on campus. I applied to write for another blog as like an extracurricular and they, re- they rejected me. So I made this Yeah, <laughs> and it turned into a, a full-time thing with you know, two people that are working full-time and how many freelancers do we have? Like five? Yeah. I it's think. pretty, pretty intense. It's pretty getting pretty intense, intense stuff now. Yeah. Now, I want to talk a bit about some more – I have a few examples I'd like to talk about for good clubs that might work for in general. Okay. Because I know that I have seen some questions about like side projects and extracurricular things. As far as – you just made a good example of this. A lot of businessy, like everything you just listed, and a lot of tech stuff. It's very obvious what kind of things you can do there to move forward. They're obviously useful skills. You can see very clearly that they will pay off in some way through coding knowledge or networking or something. But I wanted to talk a bit about clubs and extracurriculars that are probably more useful in a more universal sense. Like just not just for the computery businessy majors. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, because that's not that's not everybody. And it's this is still useful for them. And actually a few of them are very useful for computery 
majors. Okay. And because the first one I got on here is like Toastmasters or speech clubs. Yeah, definitely. Your your communication ability, your speaking ability is very important and learning to be confident in front of a in front of a group of people mm-hmm. and communicate clearly. That's that's going to pay off for everybody, especially if you're a programmer. If you're a really good programmer and you can communicate well enough that they're comfortable putting you in meetings with clients, you're worth more than the programmer that they have to keep in the back room. Yep. And then so there are speech speech things. Just, and on that note, take a speech class. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> do it. Honestly, I, I think, think the earlier class is was, the more useful. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had a friend because who put it, it off it pays for, off years, for and the years rest and of years, your years of college. But he had to take it eventually. Yeah. So it's like, why not just take it early? Because now, I, I honestly believe speech class is one of the most useful classes he'll take in college. It was one of mine. And I mean, this is different for different majors because if, you, if there's like a biochemistry major then sure, maybe there's stuff you can't really learn quite as well independently. Like you need lab equipment or something to to properly learn it. Yeah. But at least for me, my good IT skills and my good computer skills came mainly from outside of class work. I learned some from in, in class, but most of it was like from jobs. So when I think back on like what was the most useful class I took in college, it was the speech classes. Yeah. Because they forced me to get up and give speeches. Yeah, and that's literally like... I mean, what are we doing right now? Hello, audience. We're talking. Oh, yeah. It's it's required. <laughs> what kind of grade would you give this? Like like a B minus? Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. All right. But past speech stuff, there's another there's another thing. There's like debate clubs. Mm. There's school politics or state or national politics. That's going to help with not only communication but networking, the ability to compromise, and persuasion. Mm. Persuasion is an immensely useful skill to have. Yep. Especially if you want to get a raise, you know, you need to be, yeah. you need to be able to think from the other person's perspective and figure out what works for both. And, uh, I know you've mentioned this before in, is that you wish you took some sort of acting yes. class because that what, so that you can be in stronger control of your verbal and nonverbal communication. It's I that I, I kind of view acting as like very similar to speech and possibly like encompasses speech and adds more. Because when you're acting, you have to embody a role. So you have to step out of your comfort zone in many different ways. Yeah. And you have to think, like, how am I telling a story, not just with the way that I'm speaking, but with the way that like, my body's moving and with my emotional conveyance and all that kind of stuff? How do I interact with other people on stage also trying to embody a role? I think, like, as a content creator, that could have been a very useful class or yeah. something for me to do. And I've been thinking about possibly doing an improv class. That'd be cool. Which is like the stereotypical thing for YouTubers to do, but <laughs> I think you get a is lot it? of value from it. I'm not. I mean, aware like of a this. lot of YouTubers, what they do: get bigger, move to LA, take improv. But then they're not quite in the same niche that we're in. So fair. I'll be the first education improv YouTuber. Yeah, maybe. Well, uh, yeah, that those were the main ones that I think are just very useful. The soft skills that you can get from almost anything mm-hmm. are amplified in those in particular. Yeah. And in what situation am I never going to need to talk with other people again? I don't Not many. I yeah, not not many. Prison? Not many. And of course there's always your major related club. There's usually a club for each major. I wanted to mention that. Yeah. Majors probably have clubs and those are good to at least go explore because you meet usually like the professors in the major are active in the club. Yeah. And you'll get to know them a little bit better. A lot of times, at least for our major, there was a major specific career fair that happened before the big career fair. So, and actually, so I'll say I stopped looking for jobs after my, um, after my sophomore year, because I did my internship during that sophomore summer 
And then I was like, I want to run College of Boogie full-time. That was kind of my intention during the last two years of college. But before that, my sophomore year, I went to the career fairs. I got seven or eight interview requests. And I think a huge part of that is because I went to the major specific like MIS career fair where a lot of those recruiters were at, were there. And I also went to the big career fair. And I also went to like a networking breakfast that was put on by the MIS club as well. Yeah, I heard it was really good for networking. Yeah. So I ended up seeing certain recruiters like three times. And like the third time I'd come up, just be like, hey, just wanted to say I'm interested in working for you guys. I know we already, we already talked. Yeah, and that's a pretty clear benefit. Yeah. So do the major specific clubs. Definitely. Uh, are there any others that you think would be like useful to say on a general basis? Well, I mean, obviously, um, I'm going to shill for foreign language a little <laughs> foreign bit. Forering language conversation but clubs. That, but that like depends, like which language will depend mm-hmm. on your field of study, on where you live. I think Spanish is pretty like blatantly useful in the United States, for example, unless yeah. uh, my career was in a field that very specifically demanded something else. Mm-hmm. And I think that aside from that, foreign language has built my confidence and communication abilities, even in English. Really? Yeah. Well, I gave a I gave a speech to a class once in French, a presentation that would on be something. Scary. Yeah. And now doing it in English, it's it doesn't matter. I was like, yeah, I know every word in English. I have all the words. Do you feel less nervous speaking English than another language? Yeah, I spent an hour speaking Japanese this morning, and my brain melted. Right now, I can just <laughs> say things better. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Was it like an italki lesson or something? Yeah. Nice. And she doesn't speak English, so so it was Japanese and Spanish only. Okay. Very hard. Cool. I guess the only final category of things I would say like definitely explore are the fun clubs that I skipped out on because it's yeah. high density fun. Like if you know I'm going on a rock climbing trip for two days this weekend, you're going to work really hard to get your homework done and yeah. you're not going to be on Twitter, you know, messing around. And I think in a past podcast, we talked about like the power of anticipation on your productivity and yeah. your happiness levels. And if you're part of a club that plans really cool trips or you're going to go skydiving or whatever it is, like that builds anticipation that you're not always going to get on your own. Yeah. And the fun clubs are going to be useful even if you if you just hate happiness. Fun's useless. I don't need that. I only need a resume. You think football but, is fun? But friendships and happiness are going to keep you productive and de-stressed throughout college. It's going to improve your performance on things. Mm-hmm. You, if working all the time will make you worse than somebody who works three days a week. Yeah. You, need to, you need to take a break so your brain can recover. And you don't know which friends or which professional contacts you might meet in any situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know I was going to be doing this. We were just friends first. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't meet you, hand you my business card, and walk away. That's not how that works. Opportunities come from places you don't expect. I probably met you playing Smash or something like that. Yeah, we were probably know. just playing some <laughs> stupid video games and making dumb jokes. Because you were just visiting jokes. Iowa State, right? Yeah. Actually, yeah, before I ever had an inkling of working with you, we were playing like Marvel vs. Capcom 3 all night. Yeah, and also <laughs> if you don't have fun in college, like that's a great place to have fun. I, I, would, I would not want to have regretted too much of that. Yeah, I keep thinking of stuff from the book. From essentialism, and I'm like, I need that's to talk about these things next great, week. And next that's because it's a great book, Tom. <laughs> the chapter that I stopped on today was the one where he's talking about the importance of play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I do want to talk about a little bit here. Um, but first, we should talk about our sponsor. We're oh. probably about halfway oh. through the oh, podcast. All right. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we picked a topic where there's like a beautiful segue this time. But we did mention that College Info Geek was a side project that became a business. 
And now that it is a business, there you go. Segway, <laughs> segway, segway achieved. achieved. Uh, now that it is a business, we have to deal with certain things like accounting, like you know, getting payments from our clients and making sure that everything is up and up. So when we pay taxes, we don't get the IRS kicking our door down with like I don't know, combat armor or something. They probably have that. That's sort of how I envision the IRS. Like it's where our tax like money, tactical gear. It's where our tax money goes. IRS armor. IRS body armor. Yeah, probably. <laughs> they come in with like a shotgun and a, one of those calculators with the rails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely the most Hands intimidating in the thing I can think of. <laughs> well, you're gonna need to see your receipts. <laughs> Fair. Anyway. Hyperbole aside, FreshBooks is a great way for managing all those accounting hassles and all those uh, invoicing hassles that you have to do when you work as a freelancer or as a business owner. So if you do that, or if you ever happen to start you know, exploring freelance work as a side project, which is great because you learn a ton of stuff and you get money yeah. and you start learning like business skills, like independent business skills, uh, FreshBooks can make that much, much easier on you because you know when you're doing your freelance work, in my case, it was like web development and now it is doing ads on the YouTube channel or doing the crash course, like writing scripts and filming stuff. I want to focus on that stuff. I don't want to focus on, is this receipt in the right place? Is it categorized correctly? Have I gotten paid by the clients? Like, has it been a week or two weeks? When is the due date of that invoice? And FreshBooks has tools to help you with all that. They have this beautiful dashboard you log into. You can see who owes you money, when it's supposed to come in, and how you're doing this year so you can check up on the health of your business. And also you get paid faster. With FreshBooks, you can do invoices in less than 30 seconds. You create these beautiful professional-looking ones, email them off to your clients, and the nice thing is you get to see when your clients have opened those invoices. So if you're like, Has they, have they actually seen my invoice? Yeah. You'll know. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had I've had many frustrations with that in the past. Well, not people don't want to pay. Is, well, it's not that they don't want to pay. I think sometimes they don't want to pay. Sometimes they don't. But I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt. And sometimes it's just like they lost it or like the mail lost it or they didn't see the email or whatever. And if you know, then you can follow up faster. But the other thing is with FreshBooks, you can let your clients pay online. And this is something that I do because I've got two people who use FreshBooks to charge me for stuff they do for CIG. And I pay them online with FreshBooks. And it's super easy. So and because of that, you get paid a lot faster. So if you are a freelancer or a business owner, you're getting into that, you can go over to freshbooks.com slash CIG to get a three a free 30-day trial. Almost a three 30-day trial. That's close. That's close. That's almost it. Close but no cigar. But yeah, you can get a, th- a free 30-day trial, unrestricted use to test it out. And when you do that, put College Info Geek in that how did you hear about us section so they know you came from this podcast and they know that their ads are working because if, yeah. they, if they succeed, we succeed. We can keep upgrading the show yes. and all that. It will keep getting better. So yeah, it thanks be to FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode and thank you for uh, your continued support. Anyway, what I want to talk about now is seeking ways to differentiate yourself. All right. Because obviously like just joining the extracurricular is not, it's like, it's not where it ends. Yeah. There's more you can do. For example, I was the uh, web development officer in business council. So I literally built their website. And then I was able to use that website as a portfolio piece to get more clients. Cool. And uh, I was the state treasurer for BPA. And I think that was like a big reason I was able to get scholarships early on in college. Because I was able to show like, hey, I was an officer for this giant nationwide organization. Yeah, you can take a bunch of leadership roles. Exactly. Yeah. So seek to differentiate yourself. Another way you could do this is starting your own club. Yes. Like our friend Jake. Like the Magic the Gathering Club. Yeah. Which was great. And like that's I think that's a really interesting opportunity because you wouldn't think of a Magic the Gathering Club as like a resume item. But if you started it, 
now you have all these stories you can tell. Like, oh, we had to organize a whole team. We had to write up articles of, you know, like the the club draft ledger, whatever it's called. Yeah. I don't know all these legal terms. Yeah. But they required all these papers to be submitted. You had to literally go to a committee meeting at like some university room and like pitch your club and it would get approved or disapproved. And with Jake's club, it got approved. And then he had to advertise. Yeah. And he was able to grow it to what, like 50 people, I think, were in there at one point. Yeah, and Clyde too. He was president of Anime Club, and he, he grew. Was, yep, he grew like the the base of that club by like a billion times mm-hmm. compared to what it was before. Do you know how he did that? I don't. I don't know. I think just through having a really loud and amusing personality. That's <laughs> that's how I'm gonna guess. He was president. He probably his just last berated year, right? people until they joined the Anime Club. Honestly, see, the funny thing is, he was so scared to take public speaking, but like then he ended up in a role where he was speaking to a class full of people like every single yeah. week. Yeah, so see, even even in that situation, <laughs> speaking skills will help you. Yeah. Even if you're just hanging out with a bunch of people who don't really want to talk that much, mm-hmm. like, it's okay. It's a good skill. Yeah. I just think, like, if you find ways to not just be a member but to do something impressive, then any club, no matter how fun and non-businessy it seems, yeah. can become something that you could put in a resume, something that you could use to leverage that superstar effect. Yeah, absolutely. And you never know what kind of side skills you're going to get from a from a different club or a, a side project or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Not not even just communication, but what building the website for a club. I was actually, I forgot about this, the webmaster for the French club, but we didn't end up needing it because then the whole university did a thing that redid club websites easier. Oh, that's right. So I was yep. in the middle of building the new one. I remember but that. But like programming, typing, even things like dexterity and balance, if you're doing like I'm going to juggle on Unicycles Club. Those are still useful physical skills to have. You don't know when those kind of things are going to pay off. The underlying skills can apply to many things. Yeah. So the cat is trying to get in. No. (laughs) I can see like her claws under the door every Uh, once in a while. Well, we'll have you as a guest on a different episode sometime. Yeah. Your your spot isn't until next week. Yeah. Stay backstage, (laughs) please. Yeah. We're going to have to bring, we're going to have to bring the cat on next week now. So, one of the biggest questions that students ask and that I wondered about myself was like, how do I balance clubs with my class schedule? Yeah. Do I, it's one of the, one like big question that a lot of students have is should I double major? And I am honestly not a huge fan of double majoring because unless it's a major that really doesn't add a whole lot to your schedule, you're piling on a bunch more classes that take up your limited time. And you can't use that time on extracurriculars or side projects or something that's independent. So you're saying the opportunity cost of the second major is too high. There's an opportunity cost there. And I mean, obviously there's always... it's not always going to be too high. There's always nuance. Maybe like there's some major combination I don't know about that is like amazing. And if you do it, you're like automatically going to be hired in some really cool esoteric field. Yeah. But in my case, they really pitched double majoring hard at the College of Business. And they were like... Hey, you're doing MIS. You could also tack accounting on there. And then you could do like forensic computer accounting. And at the time I was like, man, that sounds great. That sounds like something I could get easily hired for. Not thinking whether or not I wanted to actually do that. Yeah. There, the only consideration was that sounds like more qualifications, more stuff in my resume. Okay. I'll, I should probably do that. And I didn't end up doing it, but I considered it heavily. But now I'm like, man, every hour I spend in class that generates a couple of hours of homework and studying. I can't use that to do a cool side project or to ride skateboards down mountains or anything cool like that. Yeah. So I honestly value having some space to 
do extracurriculars over additional classwork. Yeah, well, it make, it, I think That's it makes a lot of sense unless the second major is really is really important because like a lot of university anyway is growing and deciding who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you don't explore the fun stuff, then who you are, it turns out, is just like a huge ball of stress that, ne- yes. that never smiles again. And the other thing is with a lot of jobs, it's honestly more the fact that you have a degree yeah. that gets your foot in the door rather than, oh, he's got an accounting degree and an MIS degree. Like – we're automatically hiring him. A lot of HR people are going to be like, he's got a four-year degree from this good university. And we also can see that on his resume, he's got all these you know, work experiences and these clubs that he's had officer positions in. That honestly looks more impressive in many cases. Yeah, same thing with like having a 4.0 GPA. Not worth it. <laughs> unless can, you're going to go can, like med school or something. Unless you need it, unless it's required for yeah. what you're doing. Compare that to the person with a 3.2 or 3.5 that does a lot of side projects. So like mm-hmm. that, like that, uh, Michael, was that his name? The kid who oh, did, Michael the, Silverman? did the did solar it. stuff and, yeah. the, and the biodiesel bus or whatever it was. Like mm-hmm. the GPA wasn't as important and neither would an extra line in your diploma be. Exactly. And um, to sort of keep going down this rabbit hole, I also think that you shouldn't fully fill your schedule up with extracurriculars either because I think even when you're in college, even if you're an ambitious person, you need space and time to just do whatever. Yeah. Like time, you could even do useful things, but you, I think you need time that isn't pre-planned and pre-set in stone like well in advance. If you schedule out every hour of your day at the beginning of the semester, like you're going to go crazy. Yeah, so just some time where you do whatever you feel like. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't not talk about this. I know we sh- we're going to probably talk about it again in the Essentialism episode. Oh, that's fine. There's plenty to talk about for that book. But he talks about the value of play. Just like being – and I guess he defines play as like just being in the moment, doing something that's just fun for the, the act of doing it, that doesn't really have any specific goal, that isn't building up to something greater. It's just I'm having fun as a human being and – He cites a lot of scientific studies about how, like, doing that actually helps with your ability to be creative. It helps brain plasticity. It reduces stress. All these things, like, gives you perspective. It allows you to think of new solutions when you do go back to your work. If you never play, then you become, like, this just ball of stress that's just, like, trying to manage everything but not doing it well. Yeah. And honestly, I had time for play in college. Plenty of it. I know a lot of students have been, like, Yo, Tom, did you have like, what, four hours of sleep a night and literally nothing else during college? And I'm like, nope. I took four classes, like a full-time course load, but 12 credit hours. I did my extracurriculars, and then I had time. And I spent a lot of that time building College Info Geek. I spent a lot of that time doing other freelance things. But I also spent a lot of that time, like, out hiking in the forest or yeah, skateboarding playing, at the playing, skate park. Playing uh, rock band in the apartments. Playing rock band in the apartments. We did a lot of that. Yeah. Like, when I look back on college, I don't remember this time that was nothing but work. I remember, like, plenty of times just hanging out with friends, having fun, or going out and exploring and doing fun things. Or being like, hey, let's try to get a picture in every building on campus. Oh, yeah. And then realizing, like, there are 175 buildings on campus. Yeah, and you can't get into all of them all the time, so. No, nah, it turns out there are some, like, super secret government buildings on campus that you wow, can't get into. Wow, way to just blow up their spot. Everybody's going to go to them Ooh, now. That's true. You're under arrest. You're a war criminal. <laughs> I think they're not going to let them in. <laughs> no, you're a war criminal. Well, you could get into them if you had an escort. But we didn't have an escort. 
And I feel like we probably could have done it if we had been a little bit more tenacious about it. But yeah. we didn't get into all the buildings. I imagine maybe maybe the security person would have been like, sure, take a selfie, whatever. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll just do it in the doorway. Depends on their move. You can just do it right their in the doorway. Move. That's it. Yeah. We did get into the university president's house. Oh, that's So cool. that was a pretty cool achievement. Their house? Like the, what they sleep in? Yes, but it's not as creepy as it sounds because their house was on campus and we got invited to a dinner there. Okay. So <laughs> it's not like we just knocked hey, on sir, the door. we'd like to take a picture. <laughs> in your house. Okay. No, they, they used the house as like a place for certain okay. meetings that's, as well. It wasn't that's like fair. That makes more sense. going up to somebody's random house in the neighborhood and being like, can we come in for no reason and take photos? Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. No reason. Just like weird smile at them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the biggest one. Have some time to play. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid and maybe you knew people like this, there was always that kid in school who was in every sport like all the time. So it was always like school. Then like Timmy's got soccer, soccer practice or Timmy's got football practice. He's in every sport. And it's like, okay, when does Timmy actually have time to go out and like build ramps in the street to ride our bikes off of yeah just read like a good novel stupid stuff yeah i think like you you need to have the experience of being a kid when you're a kid and that doesn't go away when you get older you shouldn't just like schedule every bit of your life to a t there should be some open space to just do whatever you want yeah and like last night you were like we should just have legos sitting around well yeah that sounds awesome and i'm like you know what part of me like my initial reaction was like that's for kids. And then my second reaction is like, but why isn't it not for adults? Yeah, it's like, see, it sounded weird at first, but then I was like, yeah, but the alternative is just to always be looking at the TV to do stuff, and Legos sound more amusing at this very moment. Whatever. And that's that's also actually important is uh, even past school, extracurriculars are very nice. I'm not working all day long and then going to sleep and then waking up and working all day long. Yep. If you you, you got to put some space in there for sanity. Mm-hmm. I'm like stuck on this now. Why is it like cool and acceptable to play board games as an adult and to have like board game night at a bar, but there's not like Lego night or just I don't hmm. know like Nerf gun war night or something. Maybe we like need why to make is it, it weird to be a LARPer but not weird to like play board games because they're basically toys. We need to we need to make this. We do need to make this. That'd be cool. I feel like a Lego meetup at a bar. I feel like unstructured play seems weird as an adult, but the, like the moment you put a bunch of rules and stuff on it, it seems fine. Which is like why board game night seems fine because it's a rule book and everyone's just like, "All right, I'm gonna follow these." You know, <laughs> I'm not silly. It's just what it told me things. to do. Yeah, it told me to do this thing, and of course, there's some strategy, but huh. it's not like I'm just playing with Legos like a kid. No, we're gonna get Legos now. Yeah, it's done. We're gonna get I guess, next podcast. Is just we're technically just building not, I don't the Death care. Star. Yeah. While doing the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I uh, I see nothing wrong with this. I think it's essential. So, it'll, so it'll fit. All right. Essentialism. Boom. Last point I had. I don't know if you have anything else. Um, the last point. I mentioned this in my video from last week, but try things before you think you're ready to do them. Oh, yeah. So I talked about business council. One thing about business council I didn't mention was that their policy was almost always to only let in people who are already sophomores or older. They, cause it was like, it wasn't really a club that anyone could join. You had to apply to get in. And it was like a pretty select group of people who did things around the university, kind of like on behalf of the college of business. I was a freshman and I wanted to be part of the club, but I read that, okay, we almost always 
it rejects uh, freshmen and you kind of have to wait till you're a sophomore. But I applied anyway because I was like, I did business or uh, you know business professionals of America in high school. I started my own business. I think I have experience to do it. Yeah. So I went in. I did the interview. I let them know like, yes, I'm a freshman, but I've done these things. And I got in. And then I ended up being an officer as well. So you're often a lot more qualified than you think you are. We all have like an imposter syndrome. Like, yeah, I need to have, you know, I need to be a sophomore or I need to have this degree or I need to have this experience before I can go do this. But often you have it. And often like, I feel like requirements half the time they are hard set requirements, but the other half the time they're just like a filtering mechanism. They're just to make it, they're just make it easy yeah. so that they can just discount a bunch of things without having to look very hard. Well, you remember on the job page we wrote for the writer that we wanted to hire, like we put, you must have experience writing online in parentheses or be able to convince me that you do. Yeah. So like I would have considered hiring somebody who didn't have a whole lot of experience writing online if they had been able to convince me. Yeah. Maybe they had a ton of offline experience and they just like posted a few of them online and they were awesome. Like I wouldn't have been able to tell a difference. So yeah. Have the courage to do things and stuff. Yeah, but also have the courage <laughs> to quit a club if it's not working out. Yes. I think there's often like this sunk cost fallacy where you're just like, I already joined. I don't want to look like a quitter. Yeah. And I feel like I don't really know where to draw the line because like sometimes quitting prematurely is you're being lazy. But sometimes it's strategic. That is, that is sometimes true. But when, when the value is being overweighed by the cost – yeah, maybe that's may, what it is. You may need to cut it. If it doesn't bring you more joy than it costs you in time, because even if your GPA is not as good, you're busy all the time, you're stressed for time, how do you fix this? Your first thought may be, well, maybe I should drop this club. But if mm-hmm. that club is just central to who you are now, you love it, it makes you happy, then it's providing a lot of value. So yeah. you should at least look at other places first mm-hmm. where you can save time. And then, Yeah, so maybe if you're already like doing a bunch of things, yeah. you can quit to create time for something else. Yeah, or maybe Whereas, you'd be like, like, this could be more efficient, and yeah. then I'll do that instead of dropping this club, or I'll lower my commitment to this club, but still have it. Mm-hmm. And if you truly, truly, truly have to drop something that you like, or that's the decision you need to make, you need to accept the actual trade-off. Do you prefer a higher GPA without the joy that you get from your club, or do you prefer the joy with a slightly lower GPA? Yeah. I know which one I would pick, and it is the latter. But yep. it depends on your situation because some things do require a higher GPA. Neither of us have gone to med school. Yeah. Neither of us have gone like to that may, There may be a real trade-off you need school. to make. And you don't need to quit something forever. Mm-hmm. You can come back to it like next semester. If you're just like, this semester I got I to gotta bounce out of this club because I have to have a GPA this high. Or I'm super stressed and next semester I'll schedule my classes specifically so yeah. that I have time for it. That's what I always did. I always like purposely did not add a fifth class because I wanted time for the clubs. Yeah. I mean, in my case, they're businessy clubs, but I still wanted time for them. Yeah. And I wanted time to play rock band. And it's it good worked time. out pretty well. It's good time. So, yeah. Don't feel like you have to overwhelm yourself. Less but better. And I think that's probably a pretty good place to end this podcast. Yeah, probably. Cool. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find the show notes to this episode with that really cool uh, video on Vimeo scintillation that I talked about at the beginning. Oh yeah. As well as anything else we might've mentioned in this episode. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, the link in the description down below, will take you to those show notes. And if you're listening to the audio feed at CIG slash one seventy 
is going to be that link. Also, if you guys are enjoying the show, one great way that you can support us is to go over to iTunes and give us a rating and review on the show's page there. That not only tells us what we're doing right and wrong and lets us you know, figure out how to make targeted upgrades to the show, but yeah. that also helps to bump the show up the rankings in iTunes. It's like one of the ranking factors, I guess, and that helps to grow this show, which is awesome. Yep. So thank you if you do that. Um, one final shout out to our sponsor, FreshBooks. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring us. And if you are a freelancer, if you guys or if any if you guys are a business owner, then uh, FreshBooks.com/cig is that URL you can go to to get that free 30-day trial. And remember, to put College Info Geek in that "How'd You Hear About Us" section so they know it came from us. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you.